Welcome to the Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning that there may be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we're going to do our best to let you know they're coming. This week, we're talking about Season 2 of The Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Okay, uh, as always, you can rate and review us on Apple's podcast app, or maybe you're smarter than us and know where else to do it. That's all we can figure out. <laughs> um, our main topic this week is Umbrella Academy. It is a Netflix sleeper hit about a bunch of superpowered siblings based on the comic by Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance and Gabriel Ba, and is returned for a second season. Uh, when we last saw the Hargreaves, they had time traveled away from the impending apocalypse triggered by their very own uh, sister, Ellen Page, who is playing a very dark Phoenix stand-in named Vanya. Uh, I, you can go back and listen to what we said about this show, um, believe last, was it last year already? Last year? Yep. Last um, year. We generally enjoyed it, I, I think, enough to talk about it a second season. Yeah. Um, and so first, we're just going to give some quick uh, non-spoilery reactions, whether we think it's worth your time. Um, Fanny, what did you think without spoilers of the second season of Umbrella Academy? Okay, without spoilers, second season of Umbrella Academy. I thought it was uh, tighter than the first season. And again, all the performances were really great with standouts by uh, Robert Sheehan and Ellen Page as uh, as Vanya and Klaus. I just thought they were both super wonderful in their parts. Um, I thought it took the story different places and did very interesting. Uh, it took very interesting strolls through its subject matter. That's as unspoilery as I can get. What'd you <laughs> think, Justin? <laughs> um, I, so if you go back and listen to that first uh, season review, I believe I generally liked it. I thought it was kind of dumb and derivative. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very influenced by comic tropes that have been explored many, many times. It has a style that I think in the first season felt a little scattered at some points and, yes. and was a little hard to kind of hook into what it was trying to do. Like you could tell it was trying to recreate images from a comic panel, but it felt a little scattered because of that. Like you can genre shift in a way in, in a comic graphic novel medium much more easily than you can in a TV show. And I think that was a little jarring in the first season. This season, I think they've really figured out how to make this thing work as a TV yes. show. I think it's more competent sort of stylistically and tonally and performance wise and in the character writing. Uh, the plot, I think has some issues still, which we will, I think talk about as we get into spoilers. Are we ready yes. to go full spoilers on this thing? We should go full spoilers. Open one umbrella, open two umbrellas, <laughs> and open a third umbrella and bail out now, because here we go. Go ahead, Justin. Okay. Um, so I really enjoyed this. I thought it was very tight 
sort of for the story it was telling. I thought it moved well. I was never bored. I think I maybe got a little bored in the first season. Um, I I did miss, uh, you know, Pogo the monkey as, you know, the butler. But we um, got Pogo does. for a little I know, bit. I know. But I missed Pogo the butler. Um, and I also missed Mary J. Blige, who, as I've talked about many times on this podcast, I adore. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're a slut for mary (laughs) i'm a total slut for mary and i was sad that they didn't figure out a way to work her in but i'm also sort of thankful that they didn't because she was gone you know it's like they they do enough little silly twisty stuff in this that they didn't need to stretch that any further um i i think as i said the characters were really all their motivation like the first season felt a little like i didn't really care about the characters because they were pretty terrible and it was about them just barely learning to sort of uh, understand yeah and understand that they've been through similar situations and have empathy for each other and i think this season really um bonded them in ways that i found much more moving um it's just a better piece of character work overall um i thought uh you know, standouts included for me, like Ellen Page. Um, finally, it's a queer romance in this yeah. that um, the first season. And it's, it's you know, I never want to be the person that's like, oh, I want her to fall in love with that woman because she's a, you know, lesbian actress. But actor. no, Marin but, Ireland is so good, too. The two of them. I love Marin Ireland, who yeah, is a I, character actor that plays the love interest. And she's so good. And that first season hinged around her sort of falling for that dweeby straight Ugh, dude and watching right? it was sort of terrible. And now seeing a second season, you sort of understand, oh, that's what they were doing. Right. It's like, you know, her character wasn't really in touch with what she wanted or, you know, what she thought she was supposed to be doing versus what she actually wanted. Yep. Um, so I found all that story incredibly moving. Um, yep. There's a, you know, again, this is, hundred percent a mashup of uh you know x-men dark phoenix which i normally hate um i am a little tired of it but i thought this was sort of a thoughtful i, I think i said well, to you and- halfway through if you know she ha- pulls a tara and dies right. and she goes crazy again um and they didn't they didn't do well, that we talked about this in the first season about the women and their feelings and and how we're not allowed to get angry and and we talked a little bit about that in the first season and since captain marvel the one thing i will give captain marvel is that it made that you're okay to have feelings and that makes you powerful and your anger can be powerful. And it, it gave that back to Vanya. And I appreciated that, that if you can get control over it and your anger isn't bad, it's, it's justified, it's fair. And, and you can use it to further what's good and what's important. So I'm glad they did that really really liked uh emmy raver lampham who played allison hargreaves um who in the first season felt to me a little uh i don't know she just felt a lot of the other siblings felt undercooked in the first season and her character really came into her own great Um, she was great and here's fanny's like my pop culture mind i can't help it i know every stupid little thing that i can't do you know who she's um dating who david diggs 
It's the cutest thing in the world. Oh my God. I went all over their Instagram and I can't stand it. I want them to get married and have 9 million babies. I haven't been on Instagram at all in July. And now I might have to go look at that. That might be so cute. You guys, Uh, I can't uh, stand it. Yeah. She's really good in this. Um, Yeah. She's really good. I think it has some of the X-Men problems of reducing real world history into you know, basically just fodder for comic book mechanics and sort of simplistic readings on good versus evil. Like there's a whole subplot in this where she is, you know, basically leading civil rights demonstrations um, in a, in a segregated diner. Yeah. It, it, it's a fun question in a weird way of like, if you, cause I think we're all feeling that right now. Right. Mm -hmm. If you go back and yeah, they stumbled on the right plot. They just didn't know it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, and she, I think there's a very interesting thing there where she doesn't, she's reticent to basically use her powers to influence history. Yep. Um, and her, and her knowledge of the future to influence history, but she recognizes that there's a power just being a person in the moment. And there's Um, a truly wonderful scene where after she tells her, she shows her husband how her power works. And he says, well, why don't you use this? And it's a hard scene. And she shows him, this is why, because I can't control it because I don't care who I hurt or how I hurt them. And, and we have the power within us to do this without going into their brains and changing it. I know because I come from the future, I know that we get far enough on our own that I don't have to do this. Oh, that and, scene at the end where she basically just says, you know, it, it, it doesn't get easier, but it like, it yeah. changes. And the thing when he says, matter. well, I have to stay here for the fight. And you said there, and she goes, the fight is still there. Trust me. You can come with me because the fight's still there is great. Yeah. And as much as I'm sort of starting this point being like, oh, they're not fully equipped to tackle this. What I think, here's my hot take, that this is the best X-Men movie we've gotten so far. That's like, I I get that. It rips off all the, and here's my X-Men rip-off problems. It rips off the powers, the tropes, like all, like the if you're going to make a thing about people with special powers, be a little more creative. The powers are really fucking unimaginative. Like that's the worst thing about this show. They're I, all. Now I found it interesting. The now they stole from heroes for. Um, which also the, stole from X-Men obviously. Right. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the, I can get your power if I touch you power at yeah. the end. I would, but that's interesting. That's straight out of but, X-Men. <laughs> yeah. It, who was, you know, I only know it from fucking Siler on, heroes that right. i only watched for one season before it completely fell apart but <laughs> it's the guy he's even in the first uh x-men animated version he his oh, whole wow. thing okay. is basically absorbing and stealing people's powers um and i think rogue even had that i don't know anyways not, i don't want to go down my terrible x-men knowledge geekery um but it i again i keep getting back to for me it just it's like okay you know these are all dumb tropes like comic books are built around tropes. So yeah, what sure. are we going to do with these tropes? Like maybe our, if our tropes are our superpower, what do we have to say with these superpowers? Absolutely. And I really, really appreciated the season for digging into that. Um, and and character wise found it really moving. I, I loved uh, Klaus's story of trying to save David and not being able to. Or His ben, name ben? was Dave. 
Ben. Oh, oh, Dave, the Dave. young, yeah, Dave, the, the young, yeah, the guy who that he, he in love fell with in love with in the yeah. first season, and so he goes back and and tries to save him several different ways and can't, but yep. but gives him something earlier on, you know, and and it's even with a time travel thing. Maybe the reason Dave was open to falling in love with him in Vietnam was because he had met Klaus, the cult leader, before he got on the bus, you know, right, right. And I. I I think Rob I think Sheehan's doing a, a ph- phenomenal job with this. He's really character. good. He yeah. just mm, I um, really like what he's doing. I think he's very very good. And yeah, maybe a little over the top, but also super subtle in some ways. Yeah. I think he's really handling this part very well in a part that could have easily just been kind of showy and throw-offy and not at all nuanced. I don't think he does that at all. I don't I think he gives the character the respect it deserves and i i like what he is doing here and again playing full spoilers here but when he is essentially playing his brother ben um who's getting to experience the you know corporeal world for the first time in a while it's lovely and and like his yeah and his guilt around basically you know keeping him there all of it was man i like this show like more than i did at the end of the first season and when ben okay so when in our COVID, I can't give people hugs world. <laughs> the hug to end all hugs when Vanya is saying goodbye to Ben and he says, will you just hug me while I go? Yeah. I friggin' lost my mind. <laughs> like, I need, I, I get that. I, I believe I was watching that scene with Dave and my comment, which is very much on brand for me was, wow, that special effect that is normally so cheesy is sort of working on me here. <laughs> He's sort of Very <laughs> touching. All of the goodbyes in this show. Now, I felt that they were a bit gratuitous and on the nose because there was like, what, five of the, I yeah. have to say goodbye to you in this timeline. And I know that I'm, you know, reaching up and grabbing the nose hairs out of the audience to make them cry. They worked on me. I sobbed. They were very touching. They were well-written, but there was probably two too many of them. Yeah. And, and also we didn't Mac- need two Ray goodbyes. We just didn't. No. And also the MacGuffin of Kennedy's assassination. Can we do a soft nicks on that? Like, I don't, it's yeah. not a after you okay after you read and you don't have to watch the show because James Franco you next <laughs> but after you read eleven twenty two sixty three you need to have nothing else about the the Kennedy assassination but you need yeah. to read eleven twenty two sixty three because it is a great fucking book I love you Stephen King yeah and it does it does just feel like a like an instant like empathy plot yeah. trigger yeah it feels a little lazy. How did they make the guy that plays Diego look like Rob Schneider's like Bizarro twin? I did not see that, and I do well, not want to see that. So well, you no, don't, thank you. because with the long <laughs> hair and the beard, every once in a while he looked like some of like Rob Schneider's roles, and it really upset me. I mean, there was a joke about him being Antonio Banderas, which I was like, that's not right either. Yeah, that's not right. Um, no, I, I will find the side by sides and tweet them out at some point. But he does look like 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 Harry Rob Schneider, and I also, did not enjoy it. His character, another one that I thought was much better this season. So good. And I, don't, and I didn't five, remember him for the first season. I was like, who, I who is this? about this brother? Yeah. Me too. And I was like, Me too. Oh, he's good. And then there's a new love interest introduced. And, yeah. you know, I really liked her character. Hence and the actor. I have your powers, but we don't know that you have your powers till the right. end. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And 
I really enjoyed five. I, I, I always do that actor's fun. Um, I think in the fifth episode of 10, um, somebody gives him a piece of advice about go back seconds. And it was like, so obviously Chekhov's piece of advice that I was the whole time. I was like, you idiot, just listen (laughs) to him and go back seconds. (laughs) I think I spaced out and didn't even hear that. But that no, I did like, because I wrote it down at the time. I'm like, oh, so that <laughs> that's shit's important. Play. That's yeah. Chekhov's piece of advice. Chekhov's time travel advice. Yep. <laughs> Go back seconds. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's safe to say we both enjoyed this. Um, but that's you- a ripoff. Chekhov's piece of advice. Go back seconds. 13 seconds. Galaxy Quest. Oh, I mean... There's so much ripped off in this thing. It's, I mean, there's a little bit of looper in there. There's like Terminator references. And we talked about a future, future man, I think at some point on this show, yeah, we did, which, which was a similar show, but was also just a melange of like, you know, references to everything in the world. And, totally. and in a very Seth Rogen way, sort of acknowledge them because they didn't want to, not acknowledge them and this right. show kind of doesn't acknowledge them but the great trade-off is that you care about the people that's yeah. the difference I, I recommend the show i highly recommend the show it's yeah. very enjoyable yeah. season three please bring back pogo oh and mary J is cha-cha and mary, okay yeah mary J for you <laughs> pogo for me because little baby pogo i lost my shit he was yeah. so cute and what a good season ending minus Pogo, who should have been in the room. Um, I agree with but, you. I, I assume yeah. they didn't want to spend the money, but I agree it's with probably you. Probably true. Because I kept ex- expecting him the very minute that that they landed in the, the school. I was like, okay, where's Pogo? Where's Pogo? Pogo's going to be there. Pogo's going to walk out. And Pogo did not show up. It's very and sad. This is a very X-Men thing with... Um, uh, Hellfire Club, which was basically the evil version of the X-Men. And Bizarro they, from Justice League? It's Yeah, it's basically Magneto's version of the X-Men. Like, what if the bad guy had won and made his own superhero? So I'm super excited to see where they go. Just get a little more creative with the powers. Now, like, Bizarro was before X-Men, right? Because I remember Bizarro from when I was a kid. Bizarro World? Oh, like that's DC? a DC Superman. Yeah. I, yeah, I think so. I wasn't a DC person, but you're right. It's the same. I wasn't thing. either, but I watched Justice League because I was, you know, alive and on Earth. So Right. All right. I See, think... I know some shit about comics, you guys. Exactly. Anything else to add? No, I think that's it. Watch the show. You will you will enjoy it. What else you got to do? And, and probably if you're listening, you, you have already watched it and are working your way through it. And now you're hearing yeah. us just rant about it and screaming at the pod. Like, yes. what are you saying? All right. Um, pop culture this week. Okay. Now in our second position, we don't consider this a emotion we consider it the um you know continuation uh, of an amazing podcast oh no no, moose bush is a bite (laughs) we talk too much to be a bite Uh, yeah never mind um i was gonna make a really inappropriate joke and i'm just reeling it back (laughs) what did you watch this week okay well we both we both watched the wrap-up and ending of rupaul all-stars it happened it was a thing it was boring as hell i've already forgotten what'd you think what? I don't even. I don't even remember. I'm like, I get. Do you remember I, who won? Yes. Okay. Um, Are you sure? Was, yes, it was okay. fine. Shake. Did she pull? Yeah. Yes. The thing. I, yeah. It was boring. It I, was boring. All stars is terrible. That kind of Agreed. mixing all stars. We got a lot of soft mixes. Real Housewives of of Greg of Drag City. I'm just saying. Yeah. 
not good. On Netflix, I watched the first episode of The Lost Girls, which is a true crime dramatization about uh, basically an unsolved case of possibly sex worker murders. Uh, Stars uh, Thomason McKenzie from... uh, the thing with Ben Foster that I can't think of my, leave that no I trace. lost. Thank you. Leave no trace that I lost my shit during who is wonderful. Amy Ryan from the office and the wire Dean winters from the mayhem commercials, but also Oz and uh law and order SVU and bum, 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 Gabriel Byrne, who That's shows up at the cast. end of the first season. This is, I've only watched an episode and a half of this. I think there are six episodes. It's really really good it's really really depressing and dark and gritty and i really enjoyed it um i'm gonna have to watch this what's it about it's about a bunch of uh possibly a serial killer of sex workers in louisiana i believe said that right and um and the case uh much like i'll be gone in the dark which wrapped up this this week as well it's Although it's a dramatization, it it's, it sticks very closely to the book, as far as I can tell. But these performances are all very, very good. It's not an easy sit, but it's it's wonderful. I'm going to watch the rest of it. I just haven't yet. Nice. Um, we are what we are on Amazon Prime. Um, spoiler alert! Here's your chance. Bail out now. What we are is cannibals. This stars the uh, guy from Nurse Jackie who looks like Michael Bean and um, the girl who was one of the daughters in the first season of Dirty John. This is not interesting. It's boring and gory for no reason. And it's about cannibals who justify their cannibalism by being super Christians. Didn't care. Got bored. Watched it all, but got bored. (laughs) On Lifetime, I watched Married at First Sight. Yes, I did. That's the thing. And I paid $2 for this, guys, because I couldn't <laughs> find the episode anyplace else that they, except on Amazon to pay for it. If you have Lifetime, you can watch this show. This is a group of experts, and that's in huge square scare quotes, uh, match two strangers who get married at the, at the altar. They do not meet each other. They know shit about each other except maybe their names. I'm going to spend more money on this because I'm super invested in the nerdy couple, um, the woman who had a bird's nest in her hair i kid you not for and and armpit hair which go armpit hair because i have it too um and had all of her bridesmaids in like these weird veils with fringes over their faces (laughs) and uh she got to the altar she they opened the door for her to walk down the aisle and she realized she knew the guy and he realized he knew her and the ex and which I'm sure production knew before they got down there, but it was very sweet. I'm super invested in this incredibly nerdy couple and I want them to live happily ever ha- and have cute babies that I can babysit. I am so, waiting for f- found footage of a uh, bird attacking a bird's nest in a bride's hair. That's all I'm she saying. had a bird, like a fake bird and they'd made like messy bird's nest out of her hair. I kid you fucking not. All right. I feel like I've seen that and I do not like it. Yeah. Her name is Amelia. His name is Bennett. I'm in bet invested. That's how they're going to get the 16 bucks out of me. (laughs) Uh, Showbiz kids on HBO. Uh, I watched this because it's directed by Alex Winter, who I rode the big dip, the giant dipper with. Thank you very much. Bill and Uh, Ted coming up. Bill and Ted. Um, This is uh, about basically 
it it shows one kid whose parents bring him for pilot season all the time down to LA and their drive with him and then talk to several other uh they talk to Mara Wilson and uh, several other kid stars about how Hollywood steals your children and you shouldn't put kids in showbiz. This is on HBO. It's actually very interesting and very good and not just sort of sensationalism for, you know, creepy reality TV point of view. It's, it's there to actually say, don't give your kids to Hollywood. Don't let them eat them alive. It's a bad idea. Don't do it. Nice. And Alex Winter, I would ride the Giant Dipper with you again. Oh, I want to see this. <laughs> I don't know anything about this. So. On, uh, it's easy to find on, on HBO. On Netflix, uh, season two of The Politician has started. I have watched two episodes. The second season, if you didn't like the first season, is in actual politics and includes Judith Light and Bette Midler. So get on it. Judith Light is in a thruple. That's all I'm going to say. Um, you have to say a little more. Is it? <laughs> does it make? Uh, go back and listen to the. We talked about this on yeah, the first did. season, and I did not care for the show. Ask me all. your question. I'm um, gonna tell you is, all the lies. Is it? Is it just more of the same? Does it feel like now that they've jumped forward and they're like out of high school? Does it make a little more sense? The fact that, that they're out of high hunch. school and they are actually politicians, it makes way more sense. Again, yeah. I'm going to tell you that Bette Midler and Judith Light have starring roles yeah i think i can skip um, the first season i think i could just you can season two. You absolutely can they give you enough background i would watch the season finale of episode of uh, the season finale of season one i think that's just because that. it feels like the first episode of season two it's gonna get you into where you need to be it is so i think it's so good it's so in i've only watched three episodes it's so good it's so funny it's wonderful and because they are grown-ups it really elevates what's going on nice. um and it includes lots of climate change uh you know the climate crisis in politics information it's really really good brad falchuk who is married to gwyneth paltrow obviously knows that he's married to a loon and makes her play a loon. And I don't know if she's in on the joke, but I don't care because it's great. Nice. Um, also on Netflix, I watched David Foster on the record. Why did I watch a music documentary, you ask? Because I don't know shit about this guy. Uh, I mean, I do because he's married to one of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills who used to be on. That's why I watched it because I turned because I heard that he's a complete dick and I wanted to see how much of a dick he was because he was kind of an asshole on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh my god! For the guy that wrote every schmaltzy, stupid theme song from every movie from the nineties, such to a be hack! This big of a fucking narcissist! Oh, wow. Oh my God. And every time he talks, he talk, he'll, he'll like say, and then I did this with Whitney and he'll start talking about the, the way that they produced it. And he begins like doing the accompaniment with his hands and in come the flourish. I hate him. I hate him so much, but it's a fun it's worth watch, watching. Maybe it's yeah. fun to watch because he has no idea that he's a complete asshole. Nice. On Amazon prime. I watched destination wilderness, um, wilderness, that's my uh, that's my sixth grade trauma. Sorry, <laughs> when my mom sent me to a camp that made me go camping in Destination Wilderness. Hi, mom. The name of the movie is Destination Wedding. It stars Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder, 
and no one else because nobody else has lines. It could basically be a staged play of these two people going to a destination wedding. They're both terrible people. They meet, they fall in love. When did this come out? Did you say that already? 2016, I think. Might have been 2018. 2018. Never heard of this movie. Are you sure? I hadn't either. It's on Amazon Prime. I fucking loved it. Wow. I loved it. It was, they were both so awkward and awful, but wonderful and funny. And watch this movie. It's really, really good. It's very funny. It's very interesting to see how they avoided having anybody else have any lines and make it just be about the two of them. Even you see people in the background and stuff and they're on a plane. It's, it's super interesting to see how they constructed the movie as well as these two actors that obviously like each other and are friends and did this two kind of unlikable people falling in love at a wedding. It's one of them is the half brother of the groom. And the other one is the ex fiance of the groom. Nice. Yes. I'll check that out. It's fun. I really liked it. I watched uh, on Hulu. I watched the skeleton twins, oh, which is, I believe 2014. Did you see it? I did. <laughs> Bill Hader, Christa, uh, Kristen Wiig, and Luke Wilson, and Ty Burrell from Modern Family for some reason <laughs> as the teacher that. that molested Bill Hader when he was 15 yeah. and Bill Hader's still in love with. Yeah. Some of these scenes super got me just because I love Bill Hader so much and and the and the sibling relationship, certain scenes I really got. This was a weird movie. It's very. It was, what like, did you? What do you remember about it, Justin? It, because it was a weird movie. To me, I felt like it's two really good actors who are trying to stretch beyond their comedy chops, and for good reason yeah. because they're both actually good actors. But you can't help yeah. but seeing them as comedy actors. At least when it came out, I saw it right when right. it came out, and I was just kind of like, I don't. I can't buy this because I'm so distracted by them because you want them to mug at each other and be silly. I've seen them like, both. I've seen them both go, do good dramatic parts since, because I mean, there isn't a better Bill Hader performance than Barry. There's just not, he's yeah. so good in that show and he does the entire range. And I've seen wig be good in dramatic scenes before, yeah. but, but you, yeah, put them you together could tell they were kind of uncomfortable. It was hard. I thought it had some really good moments. Totally. It really did. And yeah. and and it got me a lot of places. Yeah. But the Ty Burrell thing, I would have just cut that shit out. <laughs> I would have just cut that that story out to begin with. I, think I, it's I can't say I didn't transition movie for those kind of yeah. actors where they're like this probably is why we have Barry is that he was right. able to do this I, kind of project. Exactly. Right. And having seen Barry pardon me i could appreciate it and i'm not sorry i watched it and i wouldn't not recommend it but watch it on hulu where you don't have to pay any money you know exactly i would have been pissed if i'd paid money in the theater yeah 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 it lot there were touching parts i just it was there was some super inexplicable stuff and i did watch it so and that is the end of my pop culture this week what did you do justin i saw black as king uh the beyonce uh, visual album on Disney Plus. Um, this is basically a I, let's just call it what it is. It is a you know hour and a half, I think hour and whatever fifteen minutes um, music video 
for every song on her Lion King soundtrack, which was called The Gift. All of that came out last year. I'm a little confused why this is coming out now. Um, I don't know whether it's COVID, but I'm like, does anybody remember The Lion King from last year? I know it made a lot of money, but I sort of feel like it's past its point of cultural relevancy. Beyonce, obviously not, and she's amazing. Um, I... It's a tough one to talk about, this one. Um, I love Beyonce. I thought this album was actually kind of genius. I may have talked about it on this podcast and was a bit underrated. It brought in all this Afropop um, from all over the continent, um, sort of pulling in uh, all the influences that have made her who she is as a, as a Black American. Um, I think her intentions with this are really good. Um, I just don't think it works at all as I, I would never there are so few artists that I would ever want to watch a full um you know like every song on the album as a video it just doesn't work it's just not or right. something I'm not interested in, I'll put it that way um I already know these songs I've had them for almost a year they don't sound any different um it sort of recreates a lot of the Lion King story but with sort of people I think maybe that was some of her impetus behind it was like okay, I'm doing this, but let's also remember that there are actual black people in Africa and it's just celebrating sort of that story of the Lion King with people in Africa and settings in Africa. Um, I, there have been a lot of really interesting think pieces around it, uh, sort of looking at basically what um, it, her whole thing, especially with Jay-Z, about wealth and sort of being a king or a queen and sort of does <laughs> what does that mean when you're positioning that as the ultimate aspiration of not only black Americans, but any young person, because I think that especially in this context, that's what they're talking about. Um, and I don't think it fully reckons with that uh, in a way. I don't know, but you know, again, I, there's, so many interesting pieces about this from many great black writers, uh, many great African writers. Um, it, I, it's fascinating. It's a conversation piece. And I love Beyonce for actually sort of engaging in it. It is beautiful. Um, I mean, it's looks stunning. The outfits, the choreography, the cinematography, the editing. I mean, it's a, an amazing sort of feat of just technical um, filmmaking. And I think she's really trying to celebrate beauty all throughout Africa in a way that it, it's cool to see it's different, but um, I, I just had a lot of, it engaged me and it challenged me. So I guess maybe job done. Um, and I also like the songs a lot. Um, so that is black is King on Disney plus. Um, I watched also on the music tip, uh, the go-go's a documentary about the go-go's on Showtime. No shit. Um, really? I know for you younger listeners out there. I don't even know if they know. Who there used to be are. these things called records. <laughs> and actually, Beauty and the Beat uh, in 1981 was one of the first albums that, not that I had, but that somebody, my next door neighbor, Mike Shukin, hi, Mike Shukin, if you're ever listening to this, recorded you're for not. me on a cassette. Um, I think maybe one side was the Go Go's and the other side was you two or something. I don't know. You probably could you fit two albums Ugh, on each side Bono. of the set. Yeah, she could. could. Yeah. Fucking Bono. Um, I hate that guy. But man, the Go-Go's got to me in 1981. Uh, we got the beat. Uh, our lips are sealed. These were great songs. Uh, this band was really pioneering, underrated, uh, have influenced so many bands from like Slater Kinney to like 
all pop music. Uh, they were really the most successful first all so female pop band that played their own instruments and wrote their own songs. Kind of all of them wrote their own songs, which eventually led to their downfall was there was a lot of creative friction around sort of getting paid for writing songs versus who didn't. Belinda Carlisle wrote nothing, but is also a great front person. And that came into it. Um, it's fascinating. It's great. Uh, it falls apart a little at the end because you can tell there's a lot of acrimony between the band. And it's sort of just yeah. at the very end is like, and we all got over it to make a musical on Broadway about the Go-Go's. Uh, so it feels because little, money. Because money. It feels a little disingenuous in that kind of way, um, but it's really fun to see early footage of, of them performing. They really came out of the punk scene in a way that was I had never seen any of that footage. And also, Head Over Heels, guys, I, that's a modern pop masterpiece. Go put that on right now if you haven't heard Head Over Heels in a long time. It is just such a great song. Um, I also watched a crawl on Amazon Prime. Something I forget. You wouldn't go see this with me in the theaters because you were afraid of gore. I was afraid of gore and I am so bored during COVID and I can look away from my TV much more easily. Uh, This is a Sam Raimi produced uh, thriller about a house in Florida that gets flooded and filled with alligators. And has toilet alligators. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It is terrible. It is ridiculous. It's kind of fun. You could do way worse. Can we just watch drag me to hell again? Uh, You know, it's, it's no drag me to hell, but it has a little of that same kind of silly, campy energy in it. And I appreciate it for that. I've forgotten 90% of it since I saw it, but uh, it certainly went down. If you uh, had to trade Crawl or Drag Me to Hell. If I had to trade it, what do you mean? If you had to only have one. Oh, are you kidding? Drag Me to Hell. I mean, that's that movie's a masterpiece. Okay, Drag <laughs> Me to Hell or Evil Dead 2. Uh, Evil Dead 2. Yes. Okay. That's fine. Moving <laughs> on. What else did you right. do? <laughs> uh, Law of Diminishing Return. Sam Raimi. Um, I also and Bruce Campbell. Come on. Yeah. You put Bruce Campbell in something. You got to choose it. True. True. Sorry, um, Bruce. Don't call me Ash Campbell. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I also got so bored that I subscribed to the World of Wonder app. Uh, this is yes, you uh, did. RuPaul's um, app now. Apparently on platform of your choice or at least on roku uh there's now drag race canada and drag race thailand and a bunch of other random shit that i have no idea what it is um drag race canada is fun i've been enjoying it i'm happy to just have more drag race because drag race is just apparently my terrible cheap talk i didn't have any idea how many drag races there were i didn't either there's apparently also like a (laughs) netherlands one that is not on the app um the Canada, so she's not in any of these. Um, she makes occasional like video appearances, but she's not actually like the host. Right. They find local people to do it. Drag Race Canada is <laughs> the funny thing about it is like it's so fucking Canadian. It's like the thing, the stereotype we have of Canadians is being like nice and apologetic. It's pretty much like what yeah, the show I've been is. in love with a Canadian, so I agree with this. And he was the nicest man. In the world, Brandon, if you're listening, I still love you. But yeah, no, he, the nicest man in the world. To the point that they're even like, oh man, we're terrible at this because we're so apologetic. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so terrible at this. And Um, it's not a joke. They're actually right like that. Brandon, (laughs) Marie, 
<laughs> you're all there. I love you all. But yes, they're so sweet and wonderful and kind. And it's ridiculous. There's an element that it's like it's a really nice antidote to um, the, you know, all stars knife shiving. Yeah. <laughs> um, Drag Race Thailand. I've only seen one episode, but wow, you earned your world of wonder wow it's crazy i don't know what's going okay, on i'll try it <laughs> it's really i mean it's subtitles and some people speak in english some people speak in like mandarin i think 